Welcome to episode 92 of Talking Wild Madness. This is Adam. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by absolutely nothing at all. We do okay as human beings. We do okay as human beings. We are complicated creatures. We uh, juggle our own wants, needs, and responsibilities. And we coexist and interact. And the nicer we set our societies up to to exist, we exist together quite harmoniously. And none of us really have any idea what we're doing. None of us really, none of us have any idea what we're doing. Uh, some of us get distracted with projects. Some of those projects go for short periods of time. It might be uh, building a veggie patch. It might be making a film. It might be writing a book. It might be trying to get your book made into a film. It might be trying to passed through Haydn the other day and there's a giant salt uh, lake that some farmer built and when you when you, you they don't tell you about it because it's not 100% finished so you drive two or two or three kilometers through the bush the dead deadest of summer bush in, in Western Australia uh, and you're kind of coming out of the wheat belt uh, east wheat belt and that's that's that is harsh country and in the middle of nowhere, there's this uh, ancient Greek-looking thing made of limestone, and it's six meters deep, and it's filled with salt water, and it has more salt content than the Dead Sea. And someone built that. A man, I don't know the man's name. I know, I know it was a farmer. Uh, he, he decided he was going to do that. He was going to wake up for however long that took, and however long that distracted him from the inevitable end to the wandering that is life. Wandering, W-A-N-D-R-I-N-G and W-O-N-D-E-R-I-N-G. This constant sense of, what the fuck's this all about? What's going on here? And some people are incredibly effective at distracting themselves. And some people's projects are a family. Some people's projects are our children. I'm going to raise my children for 20 years. And of course, that responsibility continues if you choose to, to, to carry it. That lasts until you die. And that's a project that lasts 30, 40, 50, 60 years. And it's, it's, it's exhausting. It's a tiring one. It is a tiring one. And some people start businesses and some people buy caravans and some people some people sit on city councils and vote at board meetings and become part of steering committees uh, you know whatever it takes rather than to sit at home if you have a home rather than to sit by yourself in silence and think of the dreadfulness of this of this situation of this reality And I think the best that we have come up with is that for the most part, we just pretend not to not to think about it, not to think about it, not to talk about it. We do a great job with feces, with the same thing. If you, if you were to examine the human race from, well, just passing by, if you were to exa- examine the human race, it's, it's for the most part, it's spotlessly clean. There's not not a not a smell or a sight of shit anywhere. 
And yet every single day, and for some of us, it's more than every single once a day. And for some of us, it's, it's a little bit less than once a day. But on average, it's once a day, every single one of us. Unless you have one of those fancy toilets that they have in Bali with the, uh, with the water jet. You've got to stick your hand up your own ass, clean yourself like some human, <laughs> like some human. It's, it's, um, and yet we still manage to build bridges and, and, and lake ponds, saltwater lake ponds in the middle of the desert. We still, you still do the most fantastical things and the most disgusting things. And there's no definitive sense of any kind of direction whatsoever. And we just plod from moment to moment, day to day, month to month, year to year, until we don't exist anymore. And for some, it's so unbearable, they self-check out, like they have now at, uh, at the edge of Woolworths. No, I myself am in no danger of doing the self-checkout. But I can absolutely understand why it's a tempting option for a lot of people. And we do, that's another thing we don't talk about. We don't talk about how many people commit suicide um, in Australia. And the bizarre, the bizarre uh, statistic that the more affluent the society becomes, the more the advanced rate of, of suicide becomes that with comfort comes more despair. Frightening, absolutely frightening. So this, the plan for this month last year uh, was supposed to be uh, in Prague and I was supposed to still have the smell of India on my clothes. because so I was supposed to be in India in December and then I was supposed to be in Prague in January. Although I'm very aware that when you meet everybody now, they all tell you of these fantastic journeys that they were going to go on. And this guy was going to go to Germany and that guy was going to go to, he had a, he had a four month hike booked in, in, uh, in, in, in South Africa. And this guy was heading off to Brazil and this guy was doing that and that, and this guy was going to bring his family. So I understand that my, uh, my me saying that I'm lumping myself in there with with uh, with folks like that, but that was the plan. The plan was to to take the boys to Prague and take myself to India, and uh, obviously that's 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 not happening. The closest I'm going to get to either is watching Amadeus and eating a takeaway curry, um, which actually doesn't sound like a bad idea, which I might might take take up take up my idea. Uh, so at the moment we're on a southwest tour of all that southwestern Australia has to offer, and look in reality, depending on your on your predilections, I'm not sure if predilection is the right word, but depending on what you're into, the southwest has everything to offer, and the, the southwest has almost nothing to offer at the same time. Uh, are headed back to Dumble Young, the Dumble Young Hotel, which was. Uh, was mentioned on the podcast before, and uh, the Young Hotel was as it was uh, the last time I visited it a few months ago, and 
then off to Kulin. And Kulin, Kulin is a town in the eastern wheat belt, and it seems to specialize in tin horses and extreme heat this time of year. But it also has a 182-meter water slide, which is the biggest water slide in Western Australia outside of Perth. And if you're, if you're ever in Western Australia, there's really very little outside of Western Australia, outside of Perth. So to have a 182-meter water slide in the middle of nowhere is, is, is quite eccentric and quite brilliant at the same time. And the heat was 41 degrees, 40 degrees, which I think is like 110 if you're listening from, uh, from, from America. Uh, and hello to all the American listeners. We do appreciate the listens. And we stayed at Caravan Park in, in Coolin. And while I was there, I wondered who the hell lived here. And if you're familiar with Australia or Australian uh, Australian history, obviously before European people were here, Australia was populated by uh, hundreds of different nations of, of indigenous Aboriginal uh, people, Australian people. And I was trying to come to terms with how anybody could live out in Coolin before there were roads or air conditioning or swimming pools with water slides because the, the the heat is was oppressive it was almost violent heat uh, and there was almost no wind and there was no shade and there was very little trees so it was it was like being it was like kind of being in an oven but the oven was the size of the, you know, the sky it was it was really really brutal and I did a little bit of research online, and apparently no one lived in Coolum ever. The only people who lived in Coolum were Europeans insane enough to move there because they got free parcels of land given out to the government. And you can raise, I don't know how, you can raise wheat and you can raise sheep uh, all around the, the surrounding areas. So you would come and you would get tens of thousands of hectares of land basically for free. And you could, you could plant plant uh, wheat and, and raise some sheep on there, but I did think it was interesting that even the first people, the, the Aboriginal people in Australia, were like, "Fuck this! I'm not living here. This is um, this is insane. Only only a mad person would, would live here." So in the 120 years that Coolin has existed as a as a town, with with uh, humans permanently living there, uh, it has grown to a population of 357 people. And it's peculiar, you know, it's peculiar to, to be in that environment, to be in that space, in that oppressive heat. And there's two streets to the whole town. And they have random, they have random uh, unusual uh, shops and buildings to make up those two streets. They have a petrol station and they have a lubricant uh, shop for farming equipment and they have a bank with an ATM and they have a cafe that doesn't open in summer and they have uh, a pub and they have uh, an IGA which is a supermarket uh, and you you trotted around Coolin and even in the peak season in January even when COVID has closed the world and people are exploring their own backyards uh, still there was no one visiting Coolin uh, and when you walked around there in the middle of the day and it was you know, one o'clock in the afternoon and it was 
41, 42 degrees. And if you if you didn't have thongs or sandals on the ground, you literally couldn't stand on the ground. It was so hot. It would make you cry. And you would see the local Kulanites who lived there who would drift around doing what they would normally do without the distraction of all the tourists, all the tourists, of course, being about seven people. Uh, and there was, a, there was a man in a Hawaiian shirt with a trilby cap with a little goatee, kind of looked like Ackerbilk, uh, a short Ackerbilk. Not that I know how tall Ackerbilk was because I only saw him on my uh, mother and father's record collection. And they moved very slowly, the Kulanites. They moved, they kind of moved like at the speed axolotls move. They very, 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 very slowly, slowly but steadily. They had a focus to their to their gait, but there was there was no hurry. And it would be the kind of place where, if you were wondering what to do with your existence, it was kind of the and not many people would would would, be, would have been born there. I was I was thinking how people would have you know, socialized and dated and met each other and had families. And, and I don't think Kulin's that kind of place. So I think there was a lot of, it looked like there was a lot of single old people living in, in Kulin. But they all looked relatively at ease. They all looked kind of relatively happy with themselves. And they would move. And you'd see them the way they would shop. And they would shop with this this kind of just dedicated calmness. And I, I was thinking, what else? What else is there to do with a life? Maybe that's that. Maybe that is something. Maybe that's maybe that's the smart move. Buy a house for forty thousand dollars in the middle of the eastern wheat belt. Um, you know, water a garden that that will never grow. That will never ever grow. Amble down to the shops, which is only you know eighty meters away, depending on which piece of real estate you have. Buy your bag of flour, your box of tea. Acker Bilk there, he, he bought a pack of, a small pack of soft pack cigarettes uh, as his last purchase. And, uh, yeah, and he was wearing nice dress pants as well, which I noticed, which I thought was very cool. Um, but he was still, he still had quite a bit of style, even though he was in, literally, in, in the middle of nowhere. And you think of, of the people that build bridges and build football stadiums and build empires and build this and build that. And then you think of the 65-year-old single man or woman living in Coolum whose main job for the day is to head down to the shops to buy a pack of cigarettes and get a new box of tea and then amble back home and do who knows what and do who's not, who knows what and, and, and who's to say who's to say which lifestyle is, is better definitely didn't seem to be that much pressure <laughs> there definitely didn't seem to be too much pressure on on Ackerbilk and Coolin whatsoever and that that looked nice that was very very nice and I don't have a hell of a lot of pressure on me I do have a few responsibilities I've accumulated over over the years that I have to take uh, that I have to take care of but other than that I don't have too much pressure and over the last few years I've also spent a bit of time removing particular responsibilities freeing myself up in certain areas but I, I think I would still be compared to say Ackerbilk and Coolin I would be uh, I'd probably be under under the pump 
like Gary V or Donald Trump with pressure in com- in comparison to to what was going on. But then again, you still don't know. Maybe maybe the cooler nights, maybe they're all running online businesses when they get home, and maybe they're uh, maybe they're absolutely they're working eighteen hours a day, and office space in in the back of a three bedroom house in Coolan is is maybe cheaper than it is in Sydney. So maybe that's the move. I don't think that's true, but but maybe that's the move. Uh, and then we drove out of Coolan down what they call the Tin Horse Highway, because once a year Coolan invites five thousand people and old retired racehorses to come and participate in the bush races. And apparently, there's a competition every year. It's been going for years and years. Every year there's a competition and you have to build a horse out of old lubricant cans and oil drums. And then the winner gets placed along the Tin Horse Highway. So when you drive out of cool and the races that have been going on so long, the competition's been going on so long, that the highway is, there's, there might be 70 tin horses all along on either either side. And they pop up maybe once every one or two kilometers on the road to Lake Grace, but it's now nicknamed, uh, it's now nicknamed the Tin Horse Highway. And what else is to be done? 